Welcome, welcome, welcome to worship. I'm really excited about being here today as we are kicking off a brand new series called Rerouting. Brand new series called Rerouting. Is anyone else as excited as I am? Yeah. Great, great. So um, I just want to forewarn you uh, that today's... uh, Today's sermon is going to be just a little bit different. I'm going to begin. Uh, I'm going to begin to unpack um, what uh, what we believe is our new vision and mission statement here for the Well Church, and some new core values and how we came to that conclusion. And we're going to look at God's Word and what does it say about our first core value. And and so um, before we get there, I just need to tell you a story. Does, is there anyone who likes stories? Like, I just, I love hearing stories. I love when people are like, oh, I got a story about that. And then they start sharing with you and you're just so intrigued. And, um, and so, uh, I I love watching people's excitement as they share stories. And then when you hear like the craziness that happens in people's lives and you're like, oh, that's so awesome. Or like, oh, that really happened. Anyone? Yeah. Just me. Okay. That's fine. Uh, so in, in 2011, um, Ed and Emily Love uh, felt like God were, was calling them to plant a church here in Ionia of all places, right, in Ionia. And so uh, they began this venture to plant uh, what we know as, as the well. And so uh, they, um, they came here and they started to meet in a small group of people. Uh, and they began to study John uh, chapter 4, which is the story of the woman at the well. And that small group of people believed that, that uh, like out of that um, meeting and out of, out of reading and, and studying John 4, they believed that the well was the perfect name for the, this church. It was the name that almost encapsulated what Ionia needed here at that time. And what I believe Ionia still needs and so they launch, uh, they launch this church, and in the, in the fall, I believe, of that year, they began meeting together, they began eating together, they began praying and studying God's word. And it was that same year that they initiated something called Hope Projects. It was what they were going to do to impact Ionia, people who were in need. Now, the following May, so in May of 2012, a local business owner here in Ionia uh, was going to allow the well to use its facility to hold church. And so they began to uh, prepare this facility and and transformed that facility into a coffee house, casual type environment. Now, um, they began worshiping there in the end of September of 2012. And so in November, just a a few short months later, uh, the First Baptist Church, this this church here, uh, gave their facility. Like, how amazing is that? That a church who was closing its doors was like, we want another church to have it. We want God's name to continue going forth. And so the First Baptist Church gave the well its facility, this facility here that we're sitting in today. And they began prepping and preparing this facility to hold its first worship service here on December 23rd of 2012. Now, um, in in the the summer of 2016, Ed Love uh, was called to take his passion for church planting to the global scale or national scale for the Wesleyan Church here in America. And so he and his family packed up and they moved to Indiana. Now, at the same time, uh, Joel Leiprand was the pastoral intern here, and he began the process uh, of becoming the, the lead pastor here at this church. Now, in the spring of 2020, so uh, a year ago, a little over a year ago, um, a little over a year ago, uh, Joel was called to pastor a, a church in Traverse City. And, and over the last year of time, the church began its pastoral search, a long and vigorous process, which got me here. Um, So before I go any further, though, 
Um, I know thank yous have, have been said and, and like, you know, let's give it up for people. But there is something very, um, there is something truly uh, moving about the way that this church has stayed together through the mess of last year. Could you guys turn me down just a little bit? I'm getting a little bit of a ring. And so there is something truly inspiring, something uh, God big that held this church together. And so um, the, first, the first person, um, if, if you would please uh, give it up for Jessica. Yeah. I know I'm going to hear about this later. Um, and she hates, uh, and I, I know she does. Um, but, um, you, yeah. Jessica uh, was a huge, crucial piece of continuing to make sure this church functioned over the last year without a lead pastor. If you guys would give it up for Chris. Another piece that taught, that he preached here on this stage, a person that helped relaunch groups, uh, a a person that's continued to remain faithful. He and his wife um, have remained faithful here uh, in being leaders in this church. Um, now, I could sit here and I could name off all sorts of people, the people upstairs in the booth that you guys never see because they're upstairs before you guys get here and they, they come down after you're gone. Um, Kathy and Ben and Gavin, uh, who is a teenager, uh, who's serving on a weekly basis, which is awesome, by the way, which is awesome. You know, we, we, have, we have our prayer team who faithfully prayed led by Miss, Miss Kim Poole. We have our discernment team who are kind of sporadically all throughout here, but Kelly and Karen and, and, and Mark and Rick who also helped in that process. And then you had the search team uh, led by Mark who, who thought it was a good idea to bring me here. Uh, and so... As I look at this story, as I look at this church, and I, I hear uh, this, this transitional time since the church's inception, there are a few things that stuck out to me. There are a few things that stuck out to me as I talked to people. Uh, I, I connected with Ed Love a couple of weeks ago and, was, and, and have been talking with him. And, uh, and so I, I, I want to say this. The first thing that stuck out to me about the story of this church is that God is faithful. Would you guys agree with that? God is, is faithful. Another thing that stuck out to me is that God is good. Right? We were just singing about how he is a good father. Something else that stuck out to me is, is God's sovereignty. A big churchy word, right, that most people are like, I don't even know what that means. But it means that God knows all things. He sees them come to fruition and nothing is without his knowledge. Meaning he's not caught off guard by anything. God is sovereign. God knew that you would be without a pastor for a year. God knew that. And then something else that stuck out to me is that believers were faithful. Believers were faithful. You know, change has occurred for this church. Some change good. Other change, not so good. But that's, that's the way life works sometimes, right? But the well has been a church that's been in transition since 2011. Since the thought of planting the church here. And, and to be quite honest with you, every single church in the world is in transition. Every church. You are either a church that is healthy and growing, or you're a church that's dying. Those are the two categories. But there's always transitions that are occurring, changes that come. Now, a part of, of being in ministry uh, for, for myself and for the leaders here in this church is to ensure that our church is healthy, that it's healthy. And before we, before we get too deep into here, a church needs a very clear direction, a very clear vision, a clear mission. Why do we exist what do we exist for and how do we accomplish that? And so I want to I ask three questions and then I'm just going to answer them. I'm not expecting you to read my notes from down there. <laughs> but I need to answer 
these three questions before we even dive into God's word, because these questions um, being answered will help us see this passage of scripture differently. So the first question that I would like to ask uh, the church this morning is why does the well exist? Why does the well exist? Well, don't panic. I'm going to give you the answers. Okay. So the well exists. It's going to come onto the screen for you. The well exists to impact Ionia with the gospel by people learning the Bible and then living out those biblical truths. Which, that's right. So here in this church, we, we exist to learn the truths of God's word. And as those truths change us, we would be living those truths out. So the well exists to impact Ionia with the gospel by our church learning the Bible and living out biblical truths. You're going to hear me talk about this quite frequently moving forward. Now, that, that, the why, right? The why leads us to the what. What do we do about it? What do we do about our why? And, and so my next question is, what's the mission of the well church? What is the mission of the well church? Well, the well church, our mission is to help everyday people uncover life-changing truths through Christ. That's what we, we are, our what. Our what is to help everyday people uncover life-changing truths through Christ. Take a picture, write it down, don't forget it. Don't forget the what of the mission. It's crucial, it's important. Which then kind of leads us to our, our last question that really needs to be answered. And, and it's this, uh, we know our why and we know our what, but how do we accomplish it? What's the how? How do we do this? Well, we accomplish uh, this mission um, with some core values. Now, I want you to know that these, uh, these values came from the six that are on the walls right now. And so they may be worded differently, but the, the, the truth from the Bible is still there. And so these four values that we're going to look at over the next four weeks are going to help us maintain our church's health. And they're going to help us carry out our mission. Now, I, uh, if you have not noticed in any of my preaching, I oftentimes have acute attacks of alliteration. All of my words say something that start with the same letter. And so today, I'm doing the same thing. <laughs> These are our four G's. We accomplish our mission by gathering, giving, growing, and going. Gathering, giving, growing, and going. Gathering, giving, growing, and going. It's 4G. So for those of you who have cell phones, it should be easy to remember. Okay. And he needs the most help. I love you, man. Just trying to keep you humble. So, these four G's are going to help us accomplish our mission. Why Ionia? How do we do it? How do we help people uncover life-changing truths through Christ? How do we do that? So today, I want us to spend just a few minutes of time looking at God's word and examining our first core value, our gathering. Our gathering. Now, uh, I want to know um, from Scripture, what does it say when the church gathers that we are supposed to do? How does our gathering, our time here on Sundays, how do we get that modeling what God's Word says? You know, what transpired from God's Word in the early church when they gathered together? And how do we align with it? You know, before I dive too deep um, in, into this passage here, I just want to say uh, this very thought. I, I've talked with our leadership team extensively over the last month or so. Um, I was actually talking with the prayer team a little bit uh, about a week ago, and then again this morning. Here as a church, everything that we do from this point forward, every ministry, every song, every sermon that is preached is always and will, while I'm the pastor here, run in tandem with God's word. 
We will not do anything that does not align with God's word. We cannot. God did not call us as believers to, to take his word. It's not Jesus plus the culture, okay? It's not Jesus plus my thoughts or Jesus plus this author's thoughts or, or Jesus plus, it, it's, it's God's word because his truth is the only absolute truth that we have, okay? And so if you would turn with me to the book of Acts, Turn with me to the book of Acts, New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. I was going to break out into song. I learned the books of the Bible when I was a child in a song. Um, so we're going to be in chapter 2 of the book of Acts. And I, I want us to see a few passages uh, or a few verses here in this passage. And these are going to help us see what the early church did when they gathered together and how our church gathering is going to mimic or model what God's word says. So the first thing is this. We're going to start in verse 41, 41 of chapter 2. And it says, and so those who received his words were baptized and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. So this is Pentecost that's going on here. So Jesus has already ascended. The early church is beginning to be birthed. Uh, Peter is one of the people who is leading them. And it says that, that when Peter preached, 3,000 souls came to know the Lord. And it says in verse 42, and they devoted themselves. I want you to remember that word, devoted. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. In verse 43, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together, and they had all things in common. I'm going to stop right there. That verse said, and all who believed, okay, it said they were together. So I'm going to just take a little pause break. I need to address the, the people who are still at home. And so for those of you who are joining us from online, um, I get that some people are still scared because of the coronavirus. But I need you to know something. Church on the couch is never going to be like church in this building. Church on the couch will never be like church in this building. God's word calls us to gather together to worship him. And so I urge and encourage you as your pastor, please come back. You need to be around God's people. And for those of you who are in this building, keep coming back. You need this. Would you got amen? You, yes. Okay. So let's pick back up now in verse 45. And it says, And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing them, or distributing the proceeds to all. You guys ever done that? Sell all of your possessions and all of your belongings and just gave it all to the church so they could help people? That's crazy. And day by day, attending the temple together, there's that word again, and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with gladness and generous hearts, praising God, verse 47, and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And this is God's word for us today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now, Lord, and we ask of you to please open our hearts and our minds to what Scripture says about gathering together, the importance of it, and what we should do. How do we follow your model that comes straight from Scripture? It's simplistic, and you've given it to us. And so, God, I pray that our hearts would always be stayed on you and your truth and your word. And God, if we ever begin to stray, I pray that the Holy Spirit would come in swift swiftly, God, to recorrect and, and reroute our steps. And so, God, use these next several weeks to help us get onto the same page as a church about how uh, we as a church should handle our gathering, our giving, our growing, and our going. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. So the first thing I want us to see in this passage is in verse 42, and it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching... And we're going to stop right there. So the first part or aspect of our gathering is the preaching. The preaching. The preaching. As we look at the patterns and the practices of the early church, and as you study church history, 
the priority of any church worship service was always centered on the preaching and teaching of God's word. Everything in our church moving forward, every group, every activity, every service, every anything that we put our name to is always going to revolve around God's word because it's not about the well, it's about Jesus Christ. So everything revolves around the teaching and preaching of God's word. Now I want you to notice something very insightful though. It says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. We know from this passage of scripture that these church gatherings were exclusively existing for those who were already followers. Church was for the followers. It was for the believers. Now, please do not walk away from here and say the pastor said he does not want guests or non-believers in this church building because that's not what I said. I said the church existed for the believers to gather. I do want guests to come into this building. We should invite non-believers into this building. The gospel will go forth, and it has gone forth, and it will continue to go forth. But what I am saying to you is that our worship service, our gathering here, is never ever going to be with the mindset of just being attractional. We are not here to be the best church with the coolest lights and the smoke machines and the 65 people up on here playing all these random guitars. No, our church is to come to hear the preaching of God's word and to glorify God. That's why we're here. Our songs and our sermons and our service is about worshiping Jesus Christ. It's about worshiping Christ. He is our focus. And if our target is to set a mood here in this building, then there's something messed up in our relationship with Jesus Christ. We are not to come here in this place to do entertainment because the world is better at, at entertainment than the church is. And we could never be in that category. And when we come here to set a mood... And when we come here to be attractional, the gospel becomes expendable. And the gospel, in, in my eyes, and when I'm the pastor here, will not ever become expendable in this building. Because the gospel is important. It is the most important. So I want you to know where I am at as a church. This is where we're going. This is where we're going. I want our church to be one That's based solely upon absolute truth. Absolute truth. So preaching God's truth. God's truth will always be a priority. The second thing I want us to see here this morning in this passage is the partaking. So you have the preaching and then the partaking. It says in the fellowship and the breaking of bread in verse 42. Now, um, I have talked to numerous people... Uh, over the last couple of weeks. And for Christians, when we hear the term fellowship, we automatically assume eating. I don't know why that is. I mean, I like to eat. But that's not where my... And for whatever reason, in church circles, we just think of eating when we hear the term fellowship. Now, this, this actually here... There is an aspect of eating, okay? I'll, I'll give you that. There is an aspect of eating. There's an aspect of breaking of, of bread. But I want you to know, when that word fellowship is used here, it actually comes from the Greek word meaning hospitable. To have hospitality. To be a people that are encapsulated by hospitality. And it's neglected in church services quite often, hospitality. I've been in numerous churches in my time in ministry where they didn't even have people greeting at the doors. They didn't make people feel welcome in the building. That's sad, one. But this also, this aspect here about being hospitable is talking about opening up your homes and inviting people in. Not just your friends. This is not a we for and no more mentality. This is about bringing guests, strangers, into your home to show them Christ. That's what the church was doing. Fellowship. 
hospitality. Do you know that 1 Peter tells us that above all things have fervent love among you? For love shall cover a multitude of sins. Most of the time we stop at that verse and, and it's, not, it's not done. The verse continued on and Peter says use hospitality or fellowship one to another without grudging. Without grudging. I have a question for you. Um, I, I never want to isolate my audience, but this question will probably resonate with the women um, more in here than the men. Uh, women, have you, uh, has your husband ever come to you at last minute and said, hey, we're having people over? Anybody? Okay. Um, how many of you, uh, your house was a wreck, and they're like, they're going to be here in an hour. And so you start scrambling, right? And, you're, you, and you do this under your breath. Oh, I can't believe this. Anybody? Or is that just in my house? <laughs> That's actually not true. I, I am a fervent planner in everything that goes on. I may not always, uh, you know, tell her the plans, but they're there. <laughs> they're on my calendar. It says, it says to, to be hospitable without grudging, without grudging. You know, part of our gathering is not just what takes place here on this property. It's not just what happens in this building, which is why one of the major reasons come the fall, we are going to shift our group's ministry to become more intentionally based upon God's word and to build fellowship. To build community, which is why one of our core values is grow. That's how we grow together. Now, I don't want to dive too deep into that, but we want for our church to be intentional. We want for our church to be relational. We want for our church to be biblical. We want this to be a place where people can connect on more than just a personal level, but on a deeper level level, a deeper spiritual level. Community is able to be experienced when we're hospitable, when we partake, care, compassionate care is able to happen when we are a church that fellowships together. Amen? So you see partaking talks about fellowship, but it also talks about the breaking of bread, communion. Communion, in my eyes, is crucial, a crucial piece of our walk with Christ. If you were here on Good Friday, we spent time breaking down communion. What does it mean? What are the symbols for? And we as a family partake together in remembrance. If you remember that passage, it said, this do in remembrance of me. And so communion will be a huge part of our church. It will be a part of our gatherings. I'm not saying that we are going to take communion uh, every single week, but we will take it often because we need to always be remembering what Christ did for us and what he still does. Would you guys agree with that? So we see in this passage the preaching. We see the partaking. The next thing I want us to see in that same verse in 42, and it says, by breaking of bread and the prayers. Prayers. And so the third thing is we will become a praying church. We will become a praying church. I, uh, this is no offense to any, oh, sorry. Sorry, video. I'm sorry. That sign is one that I look at and think about every single Sunday when I walk into this building. Prayerful dependence. Our four G's, our gather, give, grow, go, come from the other five. The reason I did not put prayer as an aspect of that is because prayer should have already been happening. Prayer should already be going on. Everything that we do as a church should be bathed in prayer. We should be a people individuals, but a church of prayer. A church of prayer. So I have a question for you this morning, and I might rub some of you the wrong way. 
How's your prayer life? How's your prayer life? How often do you pray? How often? Why? Why do you pray? It's questions just like these that force us to begin to examine our life. And I I would probably and could probably speak for every person in this room that I would probably make this statement. We all wish that our prayer life was better. Would you guys agree with that? Every person, balcony, online, would you guys agree? My prayer life needs to be better. Prayer is one of the greatest gifts that God has given to us. Do you remember back when we talked about on Good Friday that when Christ died, the, the, the veil was torn? It was the opportunity for us to enter the Holy of Holies, to be in the presence of God. Prayer is one of the greatest gifts outside of salvation that Christ has given to us. And, and oftentimes in Christian circles, it's negated to blessing the food that we eat or praying because someone is sick. That, that's what, it, 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 is, it has been stooped down to this little itty bitty thing of if I don't pray over this meal, it's going to rot in my body. Like that, that, that's the mentality of prayer in churches today. Do you know, statistically speaking, 80% of Christians believe they do not need to read their Bible or pray. 80% of Christians Prayer should be the pinnacle of our life following salvation. Your salvation started because of a prayer. Praying. They prayed together. Someone once told me that that people in church pray as though God was like a big aspirin pill. They pray when they need it, when there's pain. But God wants our prayers to be so much more than just food and health. So much more. Do you know how much prayer is talked about in the Bible? In the New Testament alone, in the Gospels alone. You see Jesus praying and praying and praying. There's so many times where it says that Jesus got up early early before the sun came up to seek God and he was God and he was still seeking the father why because he wanted to make sure that his his focus was on God's will at all times prayer Abraham Lincoln said that I've been driven many times to my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had absolutely nowhere else to go Martin Luther King Jr. said, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than being alive without breathing. Prayer has to play a vital role in our church. Do you know that prayer played a vital role in the early church? In fact, the church was birthed out of prayer. I want you to go back one chapter, for those of you who have your Bible, back to chapter number one. You see in chapter number 1 of Acts in verse 14, all of these with one accord were, what does it say? Devoting. There's that word again. Devoting themselves to what? It's right there in front of you guys. It's in your Bibles. What were they doing? Praying. They were praying. They were devoting themselves to praying together. Do you know that word devoting there in in chapter 1 and what we read in chapter 2? That that word devoting comes from the Greek word meaning to interactively persist. Interactively persist or continue even in difficulty. It's the Greek word proskarateo. And it means to interactively persist. It means I'm going to continue. I'm devoting my life is saturated by prayer. That was the early church. That's how it started. 
Paul even says this to the young pastors in the New Testament. He said, I exhort you, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. All. You remember what that word all means? All. Everything. So when we gather together, we hear the preaching of God's truth. We partake together in fellowship in the breaking of bread. We pray. And then we praise. The fourth thing I want us to see in this passage is the praising. The praising. Look down in verse 46. And it says, day by day, they attended the temple together and breaking of bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts. Verse 47, praising God, praising God and having favor with all the people. When we speak of the word praise, there's an idea here that's being set forth in this passage of scripture, and, and we see it all throughout church scripture, and it's talked about numerous times throughout the book of Psalms. And it's this, it's most of the time when we think of the word praise, we automatically run to the assumption of speaking good things. Speaking good things. But that word praise here in this passage of scripture is singing with our voice. Singing, making a joyful noise, according to what the Old Testament says. Colossians 3.16 tells us this, that we are to let the words of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. And when this happens, it says the word of God will teach and admonish one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Do you know that Paul spoke that very same thing to a completely different church in the book of Ephesians? He said the same exact thing. When the church sings, yes, we are glorifying God, but we are speaking to our brothers and sisters in Christ in this building. We're encouraging them when we sing in worship. That's why it's so important that we do gather to sing together. When we sing, we're able to see the rest of the church singing and glorifying and praising God. And if that does not encourage your soul, then something's messed up with your walk. You can see the people around you singing. Just don't stare at the people who can't sing. But let them sing too. It doesn't matter if you sing off key. They're not here to worship you. They're not here giving you their best. Because your best is messed up because you're a sinner. We're here to worship Jesus Christ. And the Bible commands us to worship him. And so when you step foot in this building, you should be ready to worship God. You want to know the sad reality though? There are many people who did not worship God Monday through Saturday. I said this the other day. And you can tell when those people step foot in this building because they are not prepared to worship God. You know who you are. You know who you are in this room who did not prepare to worship God in this place. You need to change that. And if you don't know how, come talk to me. I will, I will show you in scripture on how you change that mentality. Because guess what? When you begin to worship God Monday through Saturday, this will be the best day of your life. When you walk in this building, you're ready to worship God because he is a good God and because he's taking care of you and because he's faithful and because he's never left you or forsaken you. It will bring you to a place of tears. It will bring you to your knees because you're singing out to the best thing that's happened to you. Worship. Praising. Do you know that we, as part of God's creation, 
were created to be worship beings? Do you know that we will always worship something? We will always worship something. Most generally, it's ourself. But when our priorities are right, when God is first in our life, we're worshiping him and everything else falls into place. It may not be the way that you expect them to. It may not be the way that you want them to. But God is good. All the time. God is good. So church, this is our gathering. Preaching, partaking, praying, and praising. And I would beg you as your pastor to come with me. I would beg of you as your pastor to come with me as we submit to God in being a biblical church. I would beg of you as your pastor to seek help if you need it. Come along on this journey to glorify God. Come along with us as God uses us to impact Ionia for his sake. Come along with us as we learn more and more about the theological implications of God's word and how they change us and how we can help other people with them, right? Uncover life-changing truths through Christ. This is what God wants for the well. So will you join? Will you join us? Will you join us as we follow after hard, hard after God? This, this, is not, this is not a leisurely walk through the park here, okay? To be a Christian is difficult. The Bible tells us that to identify us as one of Christ's, that we will endure suffering. Being a Christian is hard. But it's not for us. It's about glorifying God and letting other people see what he's doing in us. So this is us. You guys ready? Okay. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something a little different this morning. I'm actually going to close us in prayer. And I have a few things that I would like to share with you. Uh, some, some changes that are occurring here in our church. Some new leadership. Um, some changes in positions. And I want to be able to share them with you. And then um, what better day to start this new rerouting but to bathe it in prayer before we leave this service. So, I'm going to pray now, and then we'll just go from there. So, Heavenly Father, we come to you. We come to you this morning, and we just thank you so much for the truth that is found in your words, the, the, the plain and simple truth that is here. God, so often we try to overcomplicate church. We overcomplicate the worship service here. God, help us to get back to the basics. Bring us back to your truth and to your word. Help us to seek only what you would have for us. God, we, we want and, and only want your approval. Help us to be content in where you have brought us. And the only discontentment that we should have is that of holy discontentment. The one that drives us closer and deeper to you and in our relationship. And so God, I, I ask right now that you would continue to use the rest of this time. Use these series. Use us as a church to make an impact for your great name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen and amen. So uh, one of the unique things about, uh, about church about people in ministry is that the church is always changing, right? I said that at the very beginning. And a church that isn't changing is a church that's dying. And so there have been a whole long year of changes, of things that occurred in this church. And there have been a lot of changes that have occurred since I've been here. And there are more changes to come, just being honest. Um, and so I, I do want to share with you a couple of leadership changes that have occurred 
uh, here uh, and that will take place over the next several weeks. Changes that we believe uh, are setting us up for the longevity of what God is going to do through in and through this church. And so um, she's a familiar face, uh, and that is Jessica. And so I'm going to pick on her again just a little bit here. Um, for those of you who have been here any length of time, uh, you know that, that Jessica was the community life pastor here at this church, and she had been for, for a little bit of time, correct? So the more that I have been meeting with Jessica, the more we have been setting out this new direction for, for the church here, uh, we, we thought it best, well, it was my idea at first, I think she was a little hesitant, uh, if I could be honest, um, but I, I wanted to place Jessica in a different, a different role to work alongside me. Uh, a role that I, be, I believe was a compliment uh, to me, uh, to my personality, uh, but a role that greatly benefits this church. And so Jessica uh, is our new executive pastor here uh, at the Well Church, our new executive pastor. Now with that, there are a few other other changes uh, that have occurred or are in the process of. Uh, the next I would like to talk with you about is, uh, you can't see her, but she is up in the booth right now, Miss, and that would be uh, Kathy Beebe. Kathy Beebe has been, uh, actually, I believe she came here with Ed and Emily in the very beginning, right? Is that correct? And so Kathy has, has given much time to the youth ministry here at the well. And the more I've been discussing uh, with Kathy what God has really laid on her heart, uh, for me as, a, as the lead pastor, one of the things that I love that I get to do is to help people see where God has impassioned them with and help them walk into that ministry. Because what you're impassioned by is what you will give everything to Christ with. And so Kathy and I have been talking extensively about her ministry with the teens. And she believed that the Lord was leading her in a different direction. And so Kathy is actually going to be stepping away from youth ministry here at the church in the next coming weeks. And she is going to take over as our outreach director. A person that's going to help us constantly have the community in mind as we begin to minister here. Someone who will connect with schools, get us connected with city leaders and, and, and things moving forward so that we can, we can be out in our community, outreach. And so if you guys would give it up for Kathy. Oh, not only for her time in youth ministry, but for this new role that she will be taking. So the next, the next move, which means well, what's going to happen with our youth ministry. Well, first of all, if you're a teen, if you're watching, if you're in this room, I want you to know that you're important. The teenagers in our community and in this church are important. Youth ministry is near and dear to my heart. I spent nearly 10 years in youth ministry. I love teenagers. I love the next generation. I love teaching them about God's word. And there is someone here in this church, someone who has been connected already to the youth ministry that we believe is the perfect person to step into this role. And that would be none other uh, than Mrs. Christy Butt. And so, uh, you, and many of you know, especially if you've got little kids, uh, little blessings, uh, she has been downstairs uh, making sure that our children's ministry is open and, 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 and ready for, for your little blessings to be there so that they're not distracting you. They're being taught God's word as you're being taught God's word. And so what happens now with our children's ministry? Well, um, someone who has is, is more recently started coming to this church has a heart and a passion for kids, for seeing life change in children. And so uh, we have asked, uh, many of you may not know her, but she's sitting in the very back row next to my parents. Her name is Kether Town. Uh, she's going to be taking over as our new children's ministry director. And working in tandem with her, someone who is going to oversee our nursery ministry, because yes, we still need to minister to, to little, little blessings. Uh, and that's going to be um, Monet. She's actually sitting right there next. Is your last name Ackley? Bam, I got it. Yeah. 
Now, there will be more changes to come, more changes that we will announce as ministries begin to open back up and who's going to take leadership roles in them. Uh, But one last thing before uh, we leave church is prayer. Um, I would like to um, ask people to gather around as best as as we are able uh, to gather around um, Christy and Monet and Kether and Jessica um, and Chris as well. Um, Chris is really beginning to take the leadership of our men's ministry and he's going to be running with that. And so he's going to be stepping out of, out of groups ministry um, in the not too distant future here. And we're taking that in a different direction. But if you guys could, as best as possible, gather around these people, I would like for us to not only pray over our leadership, I will pray, but I also want uh, for us to just pray over um, anything that may come to your heart and your mind as we are beginning this new, this new approach, right? Change is hard for people. Change is difficult. And, and because we're basing everything upon God's word, we're going to get resistance. There will be warfare. There's warfare that has occurred in the last eight weeks of me being here. Satan does not want us to further God's kingdom. Which is why everything has to come back to God's word. We see all throughout scripture, the one way that Satan was defeated in the Bible was scripture. Jesus himself spoke scripture back to Satan. Satan wants us to doubt what God's word says, but God's word is truth. And when we are stayed on God's word, we can move forward no matter the battle, because the battle belongs to the Lord. And always remember, I will say this over and over, Jessica probably hates me saying it already, but we are not on the winning team. We are on the team that's already won. We are on the team that's already won. And so if you guys would, let's just gather around our leadership team, and we're just going to spend a few moments of time praying, and then I will, um, I will close us in prayer. And go! God, we just come to you right now, Lord, and we just thank you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for this church and, and for where you have brought it, for the, the pastors that were here and the leadership that, that came to this point. God, I thank you for these leaders now that you're raising up or or moving into new places. God, I pray for um, protection over each one of them. I pray for their marriages, Lord, as as they will become even greater targets. And God, I know that you will use each one of these individuals in mighty ways here in our church. God, I pray for people to come around them, to lift uh, to, to lift the, the burden alongside of them, to, to bear that together, that we would pray for one another, that we would hold each other accountable as we grow deeper into your word together as a church. God, I pray for this new, this new vision, this mission, this new direction that you are leading us. God, I pray that you would help us to be intentional and, and biblical and, and that we would take everything and, and move forward. It doesn't matter the resistance that comes, that we would be uh, a church that is in one accord, that we are gathered together for the same purpose of glorifying your name and furthering your kingdom. God, it's okay for us to have differences, but help us to work through those differences well. Help us to rely upon you. Help us to walk in step with your spirit. And God, if things begin to get out of whack in our minds or in our hearts, help us to be rerouted to your truth. Start with us as a leadership team. Help us to lead our people well. Help us to shepherd the way that you would shepherd. And give glory all back to you because it's not about us. God, I pray for your blessing over this church, over its leaders, over its people. As, as, we, as we image you to our circles of influence. Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys, church. I love you, and I will see you guys next week. You are sent.